Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning. The weekend is finally upon us, everybody. Man, what a miserable day out there today. I mean, pouring down rain. This shirt probably looks tired. Because when you're walking in and, you know, unless you have it covered up with, you know, like when you go to the dry cleaner and they cover it up, right? I mean, I didn't have that today. So I've got this thing on a hook and I'm walking in and it's soaking wet. I hang it up in here to hopefully dry. So if my appearance looks a little wrinkled and tired, that's only because I am wrinkled and tired. Not just the shirt, but the face and the rest of my physique. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to high noon. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We also stream live every day on Facebook. That's a Chatterbox Sports page. Many of you prefer to download us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, the big fellas, and I mean the big fellas. Opened the workouts of the NFL Combine yesterday, and did you see this cat from Pitt? Now, that's the same school as Aaron Donald, right? Is it Kalijah Cansey? Is that how you pronounce it? I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. That's his name. He is 6'1", 281 pounds. This guy runs a 4'6", 40-yard dash time, okay? Now, that's the fastest time by a defensive tackle at the combine since 2006 oh but they were just getting warmed up because an hour later some dude from northwestern who weighs 282 pounds runs a 4 4 9 40 which is believed to be the fastest time ever recorded at the combine by a human being who weighs over 280 pounds. Is it any wonder, gentlemen, Casey McAllister and Paul Fritchner, is it any wonder that as the years go by, offensive linemen have a hard time blocking these guys? That stuff is insane. There was a time just a few years ago, receivers were running 4-4, and we were talking about how fast they were. Yep. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear to me that the position, like at least where it matters most, like you can see where the athletes are going. The athletes are going to the most important positions in football, which is getting to the quarterback, the defensive line. And my goodness, that is booking it. 4 4 9. I mean, just to put it in perspective, I believe AJ Green ran a 4 4 5 something. Or maybe it was Julio Jones. That, I mean, just if you could imagine that. I, I just can't believe it. I mean, you know, when you when you look at some of these guys, and it's one thing to see them on a football field where everybody's huge and they got their pads on and everything. We were talking about this with Anthony Richardson a, a little while ago off the air. Uh, I had never seen the guy just in, in a T-shirt. I mean, this guy's, what, 230, 240 pounds? So now tack on another 40 or 50-plus pounds, and these guys are running 4'4", 4'5", 4'6", 40s. It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable how big and strong and powerful and fast these guys are coming out of college. And they only get bigger once they get to the pros. There appears to be trouble in Baltimore. Did you guys read this story? 
Uh, I am familiar with it. Uh, are you talking about uh, Rashad Bateman? Yeah. So one day after the Ravens general manager questions publicly why they can't draft top wide receivers, and he was, he was actually, you know, picking on himself a little bit, right? Because he's a GM. Their number one pick from two years ago, wide receiver Rashad Bateman, calls a general manager out on social media. Now, let's keep in mind that since being drafted in 2021, Bateman has missed 14 games due to injuries. And in two-plus years, he has 61 total catches. Now, it's worth noting that since the Ravens had their first draft in 1996, think about this for a minute, okay? They have never produced a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Not one time. And over the last 12 years, their receivers have the fewest receiving yards among all teams in the entire National Football League. And they want to bring Lamar Jackson back, who is not the best thrower on the planet. All right, college basketball. Quarterfinal round of the Horizon League tournament for the fifth consecutive season. They're the only team in the conference to do it. Northern Kentucky will advance to the semifinals. They beat Oakland last night, 81-74. Five North scored in double figures. And this Chris Brandon guy, you were there last night, Paul. Yeah. This guy's an animal. He had a double-double, 13 points, 13 rebounds. They've played 32 games this season. In 16 of the 32, he has 10 or more rebounds. Now, that's getting after it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he gets up there. He does get after it. He had a great game last night, and uh, it always felt like Northern Kentucky was in control of the game. Even when it was tied in the second half, crowd got a little tense. I always felt like it was Northern Kentucky's game. They hit a couple of threes, get back in the lead, kind of kept Oakland at arm's length. It was a good win for NKU, and a solid one, too, after they just beat Oakland five days ago. So, Well, for those that may not know— Casey McAllister is a Northern Kentucky alum. Casey, did you know they played last night? Well, did uh, you know we have their coach on again today? You know, I you're an alleged I, I producer was, of the show, working with ex-professionals. Did yeah. you know that Darren Horn is coming on the program again today? Well, now I know. I know now. Uh, the other thing, too, once I finally figured out that they were playing at seven o'clock last <laughs> night. Oh my uh, God! At least you admit it. I give you. I give you credit, Casey. They also covered. How about they that? They did. Okay, so this was actually a funny story. So uh, NKU, the line was minus six and a half for okay. NKU. They they got to seventy nine. The score was I think seventy nine to seventy four. Yeah. Yep. Right. Was that yep. the seventy nine right. to seventy four? Okay. So it was seventy nine to seventy four, and NKU was at the line to shoot a second free throw. They missed, and the entire crowd went berserk. And I was like. I know when a crowd will react to a line, like you can tell when everybody will sure. stand up and be like, oh, no, they missed the cover and sometimes. But it's more like a murmur. You don't hear the whole crowd. And I'm sitting there by myself, and I'm thinking to myself, what, what is going on here? Then I realized not only was that free throw for the cover, it was also to hit 80 points, which was everybody in the crowd got a free Big Mac. Nice. If they scored 80 points in a game. So Oakland comes down, misses a shot. It's like five seconds left. They decide to foul. NKU goes back down to the line, hits one free throw to hit 80, hits a second free throw to cover. Everybody goes home That's happy. cool. Yeah. 
That's good. Everybody's a winner. Everybody goes home. Except happy. Oakland. We love that. Everybody's a winner. Yep. That's what we like in life. Everybody's yeah. a winner. So next up now for the Norse, and we'll talk with Darren Horn. We really appreciate this guy's time. I mean, we've had Wes Miller on the show. We've had Darren Horn on regularly. So those are two of the three big coaches of college basketball teams in our area. There is one notable missing piece that has never joined off the bench. Let's see if we can figure that out. He did briefly. Wes Miller was on. Darren Horn was on. Who, Casey, who am I missing? Um, is it another Miller? I think it is. I think it's Sean. I've, I've Sean tried. Miller. Let's get Travis. All we do is talk him up. I tell you, those days are getting ready. You know, you, you know what? I'm going to always be objective. I'm going to keep my emotions, my feelings out of it entirely. The guy's a great coach. I will always talk him up. But the facts are the facts. We've asked him a couple of times to come on. No Sean Miller. No Sean. And maybe he doesn't care. That's okay. He will one day. We'll get Travis Steele on instead. We're bigger than Barstool and bigger than McAfee and all your clown friends. Um, (laughs) You know, he'll care then. And then we won't ask. Mm. But Darren Horn, Wes Miller, they've joined the program. The Norris will take on top seed Youngstown State. It's kind of weird the way they do the tournament. So you play the first round games uh, at the home sites. A lot of conference tournaments do that. And then you move... Uh, to a, um, uh, a central venue uh, for the next round. But they're waiting until Monday to play. And by the way, NKU and Youngstown State split their regular season series. In the top 20, number one, Houston rolls all over Michita State. Number four, UCLA. You continue to bet the under. And all Mick Cronin's does, team, all they do is keep on rolling. 79-61 over Arizona State. I said weeks ago, Paul, and then they hit a slump. I said the Bruins are your national champions this year. Did I not? You did say that. You did say They're that. They're going to win the whole thing. Number two team on Ken Palm. They, get, they got it rolling right now. They're going to win it all. Number five, Purdue. Hung on to beat Wisconsin in Madison, 63-61. Illinois, a big win last night over Michigan. 91-87. Did you see this story about fifth-year senior Antoine Davis of Detroit Mercy? This is back to the Horizon League for a minute. He finished three points shy of breaking Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record last night in college basketball. Davis finished with 3,664 points. His team was eliminated in the Horizon League tournament last night. It should be noted, of course, Davis played five years. Maravich played three. Maravich played at a time where there was no three-point shot, and he would have made a ton of them. Freshmen weren't eligible to play back then, and there was no shot clock. So if other teams wanted to hold the ball for a minute, two minutes, whatever it might be, Pistol Pete puts up nearly 3,700 in three years. Average 44 a night. I'm telling you, it... It's worth five minutes of your time. For those of you not old enough to remember Pistol Pete, and I am old enough, he had the the long kind of Beatles-like haircut. He had the floppy socks that he made famous. Uh, Never seen a guy, Curly Neal maybe, with a Globetrotters. 
absolute magician with the ball. He was the first guy behind the back passes and all this. I mean, this guy. And he had free reign because his dad, Presmerovich, was his college coach at LSU. So he just, he went, look him up sometime on YouTube. Well, Antoine Davis's dad is his head coach at yes. Detroit, Mike Davis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I am very interested to see if Detroit buys their way into like the CIT or the CBI. Just buys their way? What do you mean buys their way? Like what, those what? like really low level postseason yeah, tournaments. Yeah, yeah. You basically, if you, if you want to get into those tournaments, you can get into those tournaments. Okay. And I'm, I, I don't know if – because they finished under 500. I don't know if there's a threshold, kind of like a bowl, like you have to finish right. at 500. or I don't that know. That should be a rule. I don't, anyway, it should be. Okay. I, it, it might be. I, I don't know. But if there's not a rule and Detroit can play some sort of game to get him four point, three points, four points, would not shock me. Because that's basically what this Detroit team has been about. They're not a good basketball team at all. This, basically, this whole thing with Detroit – has been to get Antoine Davis this record, and he came up three points short. Had a shot at the buzzer to tie the record. Went off the rim. So I, uh, I'll i be very interested to see if Detroit plays another game this year. But we'll see. Okay. Um, college basketball tonight, Mid-American Conference action. Miami plays at Buffalo. Bowling Green is in Athens. Where would you rather be on a Friday night? You know, if I were like the team captain at your last game of the year, you got to go to the coach if you play for Bowling Green. And, and I've talked to a bunch of people from Bowling Green that played athletics, football, baseball. They'd go down to Athens. And um, I'd say to the coach, Coach, look, let's don't get on the bus after the game and ride all the way back to Bowling Green. We got to go do the Court Street Shuffle and hang out. Friday night in A-Town. Seniors let them have their, you know, good time on a Friday night. No better place on the planet than Athens, Ohio. Uh, over the weekend, Xavier plays its season finale. That's tomorrow night at home against Butler. Your old buddy and former Muskies head coach <laughs> Thad Mata, or known in some circles as Chad Mata, comes into town. That is tip-off set for 7 o'clock. UC wraps up its regular season as well. That'll be on Sunday against SMU. Final game for David DeJulius. What a great career he's had. Two other games to keep an eye on Saturday. Actually, more than that, Paul informed me. You have... Duke at rival North Carolina at the Dean E. Smith Center in Chapel Hill. Number eight, Arizona, plays at Pauley Pavilion to take on fourth-ranked UCLA. You've got Texas, you said, at Kansas, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, is that at Kansas? I think it's in Texas. It might be at Kansas. In Austin, Texas. It might, it might be at Kansas. I, let me look it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It is, it is in Texas. But and what, what is this, right? Sir Boy Wonder. We all know the high nooners. At my, yeah, that's about right, uh, Sir Boy Wonder. High nooners. That's what they drink up there at, at Miami of Ohio. Thank you for the super chat, Sir Boy. If Miami, they, act, they do have a big game tonight because if they win, they'll get into the MAC tournament. If they lose, they might not. Travis so, Steele. Yeah, they have they got it rolling right now. I mean, they've won four in a row. They've won five of seven. They looked dead in the water about two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they uh, they have a chance tonight. They can make the MAC tournament. Only the top eight teams make the MAC tournament, not everybody. So they Bobcats have, are in. They have a, yes, the Bobcats in. are in. CJ, I met CJ last night. I did not know CJ who, who watches our show regularly. He's in the chat all the time. He's in there again today. He is a basketball coach at Seven Hills. Oh, so I went up to uh, UD Arena last night to watch Marymount. They lost to Shawnee, or is it uh, Miami East? 
and Seven Hills lost their game uh, just before it. And so CJ was kind enough to, to walk over and say hello and introduce himself. Very grateful that he did. I don't know why in the world him and Reed Mouse are going at it back and forth. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's happening. Sir Boy says, the Bobcats versus the High Nooners in the MAC championship game. That's what we need for sure. That would be outstanding. Um, okay. I want to get to, um, you know, some of these, these rumors. You're seeing now a lot of the players at the Combine who are doing their interviews, not just with the teams. That's the primary uh, one of the primary things that all the players will do. But here within about the last uh, 24 hours, many of the players now get up in front of the media. Michael Mayer, the young man from just across the river in Covington, one of the great players in the history of Notre Dame football. There's no debate about that as a tight end. Uh, he's regarded as uh, the number one tight end coming out of college this year. Uh, and a lot of people around here would like to see the Bengals take him if he's available at the 28th pick. This is a class that is rich uh, in tight end talent. Casey, I cannot see the Bengals waste. I'm not. Stop. I can't see the Bengals taking a tight end with their first round pick. You can get a really good tight end. I know you're not getting them on a rookie deal. But you can get a proven tight end, a guy who can contribute like Hurst did last year, and go find – there are a lot of tight ends out there, in my opinion, yeah. that could fit in this offense. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I think with tight ends, it's really, really difficult to pick one first overall because of the learning curve that they have to go through. They generally – most first-round tight ends don't have very good production, um, don't do not do well their rookie campaign because there's just a lot there. They, they have to learn the blocking schemes, all the the, the calls from the, the center to the, to the plays on the offense, what routes to run, where to block. There, there's a lot there. It's a very um, – it's a huge mental curve. Not yes, saying, it is. Not saying that it's not a – also a very hard physical job too some of these guys like Dalton Kincaid he would be the smallest tight end drafted first overall at 240 I'm sure these teams are going to want to bulk him up a little bit if he can at, at that and that might you know tank his stock a little bit too but for a guy like Michael Mayer um I can see them drafting him first overall uh because of the the talent that he that he does have, I think he's got the skills already to block. I think he's ready as a pass catcher. No you, doubt about I, that. It, and I think he's there mentally. I think he's got. Yep. I think he's got all the traits that you would look for to have a production ready guy, someone that is ready to play, ready to help you year one. That that's the that's the whole thing. Yes. Are they going to get a guy that's ready year one? Last year, they didn't get a guy that would help them year one. I think this year, they really need to look in the mirror and say, all right, 
who's going to help us year one or who's going to help us this year? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be somebody who is right now because, look, I know Joe Burrow made the comment about, you know, they talk about the proverbial window of a championship. And he says, hey, as long as I'm playing, we've got a window to win the whole thing. And that's what you want out of your quarterback to say things like that. I mean, if he said anything different, you'd be saying it's time to ship this guy out of town. But I think it's fair to say that the roster that the Bengals have assembled over the last two years, and now with a few tweaks here and a few tweaks there, your window of knowing you're going to have Higgins around, Chase around, Burrow's going to be around, but you know some other guys on this team, your window is the next two to three years to win the whole thing. Right. I'm not saying you can't win it after the next two or three years because maybe they could do some things with their roster and they draft well and so forth. I'm just saying with, with the guys you know right now, and clearly they're, they're not games away. They, they have been plays away. I mean, you really whittle it down. The Super Bowl two years ago, you could pick out, and, and a lot, like a lot of games in a lot of sports, but for the Bengals we're talking about specifically here, you could, you could whittle it down to about four or five plays in the game, the difference between being Super Bowl champs and being a runner-up. Yep. Last year, same thing in the AFC Championship game this year. It's maybe fewer plays than that. Maybe it's two or three plays. Right? I agree with that. One, you keep a drive alive. One, you, you, you're able to pressure Mahomes. Uh, the other one, you don't punt it to the guy. Yeah. Okay, so now you're talking your roster as it's assembled now. And again, there will be some changes because of free agents. I get it. But you're, now you're plays away. So you've got to go get the pieces that make up for those two or three or four or five plays. Because they're right there. They are right there on the doorstep of being a Super Bowl champion. In every preseason prognostication already for next year, the Bengals in every single one of them are in the top three or four best odds to win the Super Bowl. So you can't be drafting some guy. This is why I'm not reaching. I'm not reaching on any player. Not even if it's a 28th pick in the draft, it's got to be somebody that walks in the door right now. If you made the decision, you're going to cut Joe Mixon. And I don't know if they have, or they will. If Robinson's sitting there, you got to take him. You got to take him. This guy's a stud and you need a running back. They can bring P Ryan back, but you're going to need, you're going to need a, you're going to need a stallion. Yeah. Unless you're going to trade for one. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that philosophy, I should say. I don't know if I don't know if they'll pick Robinson. One, I I've seen a lot of just draft talk in general that these teams think that Robinson won't even fall out of the top ten. That they that they wouldn't scoff at a team drafting him that high. He's that valuable. Yeah, I mean he's that kind of guy. Yeah. It depends on the need of the team. Right. And so I I do feel like whatever they do decide to do, they can't draft a project again. They can't draft someone that's unknown, that hasn't tested. They got to get someone that's tested, that produced, and fits all fits fits the character. I don't really think it matters what position it is, honestly, at this point. 
I don't care if it's a guard. I don't care if it's a tackle. I don't care if it's a defensive tackle, an edge rusher, a corner, a safety. Like, if they get someone that is going to have good quality starting snaps, then I think that's the way that they should go. And that's pretty much the BPA philosophy, right? Yep. I mean, the Bengals really should take care of their stuff, their needs, whatever they need to get done in free agency. That's the way to go about it. And that's what they did last year. But instead of going with a guy like Dax Hill, where you already had two really good starting safeties, Go get a starter. Go get someone that can rush the passer. Go get someone that can. Well, you got to bring Von yeah. Bell back. You, you can't go. We've talked about this already. You can't go into this season talking about what we were just talking about with two brand new safeties with zero experience. None. Well, that's. that's you can't. That's why I think what the solution there is, is drafting or not drafting. Well, they could draft someone, but I think the solution there is just getting someone, maybe not Von Bell, but just a, a veteran in the backfield and letting the, the rookies sort of get like half the snaps. Just do what the Chiefs did. I mean, they, they drafted uh, McDuffie. They had the rookie from Cincinnati. Yep. And they had a lot of snaps, and they played pretty well. But then they had the kid, Reed, who popped off there a little bit, you know, with the whole yeah. thing. I mean, he, he'd been around the block or two. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't some, you know, first or second year player. But that was – You got to bring Bell back. It's not going to cost you a fortune. You got to bring him back. He's only 28, been in the league a yeah. long time, great leader, great example. Like, you're talking about character guy. I mean – By the way, that was after they tr uh, traded or got rid of the Honey Badger. I don't know if you remember that. They had uh That's right. They had the honey badger back. I can't remember his actual Matthew. name. Matthew. And they just redid his deal. Yeah, and for the Saints. Yeah. Just redid his deal so they could have some room um to maneuver around. You know, you know the one you know the one free agent player that is getting zero pub from us included. And I read some unbelievable stats on Jermaine Pratt. Now, we knew this guy had a good year. It was the best year by far he's ever had in the NFL. You know, he, he, he went back out again here over the last day or two uh, as he is, you know, uh, uh, a pending free agent starting officially on March the 15th and had said, look, I'm not going anywhere if I'm coming off the field on third down like I did a lot with the Bengals last year. What I did not realize about Jermaine Pratt, he was the eighth, Highest rated linebacker in the National Football League last year. Yep. He had the second best coverage stats to only cornerback and rookie of the year Sauce Gardner in the entire NFL. So it, asks, it says to me two things. Now, is it a guarantee he's going to play like that next year? No. There's no guarantee anybody's going to play anything next year. Not even Joe Burrow. Like, like last year to next year. Yeah. But if I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, Jermaine Pratt or Logan Wilson for the next three or four years, just based on some of those numbers, why are we having this debate at all? Why is he not getting more, you know, uh, more talk about the Bengals bringing him back? I, I would tend to agree with you. I thought... I thought there would be more discussion. I just 
I kind of gave up on the fact that we were going to bring him back because it just all the signs pointed to them not even considering it um, or or that they, they would consider it if the market pointed in that direction. Does that make any sense? Yes. Like if, if he came back to them and said, hey, I'm not getting market value here, right. they would take they would match someone. Right. But I think. Kind of like what you said, he's not going to join a team that won't let him play all three downs. And it's not that he wasn't one of the best backers in the league last year. It's the fact that he was one of the worst, you know, throughout his tenure with the Bengals, besides last year where it was his contract year. And you could say maybe he just finally blossomed. Yeah, He finally gets it um which could be true but i just don't know it's very it's so hard to pay a linebacker in the nfl i agree with you 100 percent. i'm just saying same. he he does present you with some numbers backs it up that he's a guy that you could play three downs and those are few and far between linebackers in the nfl yeah i'm just looking right now the numbers wise um he had he was targeted 60 times for 43 receptions, 408 yards, 10 yards, pretty much 10 yards a reception. 277 of those yards were after the catch. Um, had two interceptions and four pass breakups for a league quarterback rating of 76.2. So I think some of that... Um, might be a little inflated okay. because one of those games was against Carolina where we just spanked them. Uh, he played really well against Pittsburgh the second time. Really well against Kansas City. That one fumble was huge. Yeah, on um, Kelsey. From Kelsey. He played really well against Cleveland. Um, I'm just looking here. What The game where he... Uh, Got the interception from Tom Brady. That was a really good acrobatic catch. You know, I wouldn't be upset if we got him, if we if we went and spent the money on him because of that potential, right? Like, if he is truly a three-down linebacker and he plays to the same level as he did last year, it's a no-brainer. But I think, I think the Bengals, if they don't re-sign him, it's because they know that he can't play all three downs. Like, he'll get too tired or he'll yeah, wear and tear yeah. on they, they They know their players and their team better than we do. There's no question about it. And, and, and I've said on this show many, many times, I am, I am extremely leery about going out and spending a fortune on linebackers. I just think the, the evolution of the game. Now, you could say, on the flip side, the tight ends in many offenses are starting to become more and more important and frequently linebackers, not all the time. Sometimes you drop a guy in a slot, safety position, whatever it might be to try to handle the tight end. Uh, there are some great tight ends out there, but not every team uses the tight end uh, in, in, in these spread offenses and, you know, empty backfields, four receivers, so on and so forth. So um, I see both sides of it. I, I would not spend the money, huge money on a linebacker. But I, I was just pointing out that that is what Pratt had said during the season. And he has said it again here in the last day or two about wanting to be a three-down guy. So where all that goes. Um, other news from a combine, 
you know, talking about players that come out and, and, and now do the interviews for the media. And I got to tell you, and I said this to you guys before, and it's not because I'm an Ohio State fan. Um, maybe the single easiest guy to root for in this draft is C.J. Stroud. I mean, this guy, if you watched him and the way he has handled himself the last two years as a starter at Ohio State, um, his background, if you watched him during the last two Heisman Trophy ceremonies, uh, he did not win it, but he was there in New York two years in a row. Uh, his relationship with his mother, um, his comments yesterday about how hard it was to leave Ohio State, he acknowledged, yes, there was a lot of money sitting there, but I loved it there. I loved the people there. I loved the staff there. I loved everything about the whole college experience there, not just the football. Uh, he's a deeper religious kid. Uh, he's just, he's the easiest guy in the world to root for in this draft. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, is he going to be the first quarterback taken? You get into the whole debate about uh, the physical size. Most people feel like the top two quarterbacks are going to be Bryce Young uh, and C.J. Stroud. Stroud's a big guy, a uh, big, strong guy. Um, whereas Bryce Young, they list him at 6'1". There's no way he's 6'1". They list him at 180. There's no way he's 180. Does that mean he's not going to be a great pro? Of course it doesn't. Uh, but I think the trend in the league here after going like this, where they wanted the big guys to, hey, we like the guys that are okay, a little bit smaller, the Drew Breeses, et cetera, et cetera, the Tua's. And now it's starting to go back the other way with the bigger, stronger guys because you're getting hit and being able to stay healthy uh, and all those kinds of things. But Stroud, he's going to go in the top five picks in the draft. And wherever he goes, I hope he does great. His teammate, Jackson Smith and Jigba, came out and said, I not only believe that I'm a top five receiver in this draft, he came out and said, I think I'm a top five player in this draft. Now, Smith and Jigba missed almost the entire year last year. He got hurt the first quarter of the first game against Notre Dame, okay? And he was unable to come back and play the whole year after being the best receiver in college football the year before. Um, he is going to do everything at the Combine, running routes, the cone stuff, the weightlifting, the interviews, whatever it is. The one thing he's not doing, is it a concern to you, Paul Fritzner, if you're a general manager or Casey McAllister? One thing he's not doing, he's running the 40-yard dash. I mean... Do you care? I know. You're just never going to find me caring about anything with the combine. Okay. I just don't. I just don't put any stock into it. I understand where some guys may elevate their status a little bit from it, but I just can't care about what's going on here on the field when you've seen what these guys can do in a real game setting. You're telling me you, like, you're not going to draft Jackson Smith and Jigba because he's a tenth of a second slow. I just, maybe it matters more than I'm putting stock into it because I, I don't put any stock into it at right. all. But people smarter than me clearly do. So I'm, I'm What do you think, something. Case? Worry you at all? Um, I'm, I'm not worried for him. I think he'll... I don't know. I don't think he's the top five. I don't think he's a top five player in this draft. If you're including the uh, the quarterbacks in that equation, because the first two right off the board is Stroud, his teammate, and and Bryce Young, and then you're Anthony Richardson. 
no. Your guy. That's your guy, no, Casey. Gosh, no. I can't believe you know, what a big dude he is. I couldn't believe that picture I saw him this no, morning right before we went on the air. Yeah, he is a monster. I mean, no wonder they compare him to Josh Allen. Yeah. They made that comparison. Right. I mean, I was surprised, too. 240 is a monster. Um, he doesn't look like that. Well, he did in the T-shirt. <laughs> I mean, this guy was just sitting at the podium. I just saw a still picture. I mean, his neck's like, you know, one of these deals. Shoulders are out to here. I mean, he's huge. Someone's going to be happy with him. Yeah, somebody, sure. somebody's going to is. Yeah, he's going to be high. But, but go ahead. You were, you were talking about Smith and Jigba. Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think not running the 40 will hurt him too much. I think some teams will look at it as a injury concern more than than anything else. Um, I don't think they'll care how he runs. They just want to see him run. And because he's not running the 40, I think that'll potentially hurt his stock. I don't know if he's planning on doing any of the other drills. If he's doing the other drills, I don't see why he shouldn't run the 40. Other than the fact that I, I, I just don't see how a four five or four like the worst pay, possible scenario to me is running a four six. That'll drop him significantly. But if it's a four five, he's going to be right where he was before on everyone's boards. They're not going to drop him for a four five. And and he was uh, primarily a slot guy at Ohio State anyway. Yeah, it's not like he was known for burning people. You know, it's he's not a, a speedster. He's where his value is at is in his film, and you can watch his film and There's know. There's no doubt; it's unbelievable. So to me, he's fine. He's fine, but it is a concern that he's not running because of the injury history. That's the only thing. Yeah, I, I just want to, you know, and and it has to be that deal. What you're just saying that I think he feels like you know, okay, I'm healthy. I'll go do all these other things. But if I do run a whatever four six then all of a sudden I got a chance to start dropping in the draft instead of people. That's what I liked about what Duke Tobin said the other day. You know, he said something so interesting when he was asked. He said a lot of interesting things. He, he's a confident guy. Uh, he's done a great job here with the Bengals. But he was asked at the combine, you know, what are you really looking at? Are, are, are you looking at all these analytics? Are you looking at, you know, these times? Are you looking at you know, all those sorts? Just, just straight objective numbers and he said the way they do it in the Bengals scouting department which is smaller than most uh, if not the smallest they really lean hard on their coaches when it comes to players in the draft and what they try to do is or what they do is not try to do is he wants all of his scouts and his coaches to give them um an example of who they think this guy is going to be like. So, for example, they'll, they'll have uh, uh, all the tape of Vontez Perfect. Let's just pick his name as a pro. Okay? And, and, and there might be some guy that they're thinking about as a linebacker in day two of the draft. Maybe third, fourth, fifth round. And he wants his linebacker coach and the scouts to come walking in and say, hey, We've done a lot of the film work side-by-side -side comparison. We think this guy has a chance to be like fill-in-the-blank. So then everybody in the room could go, oh, that kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, like you were talking about with Anthony Richardson. I, I don't know if, you know, 
everybody else would say, oh, Josh Allen. You know, but, but that's the goal in the Bengals scouting department. And look, it, all the numbers, the analytics in the world, you know, it's an old cliche. It doesn't tell you what's in here. It doesn't tell you what's in here. And the game film will show you more times than not what you want to know. I don't know in a college basketball exam. I have no idea if Sule Boom, as an example, over in basketball. I don't know if this guy's got a chance to play in the NBA. I have no idea because of whatever his metrics are, right? His height, his weight, future position. Can he do this? All I know is, is when the cat steps on the floor, the guy's a player, right? Yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. I want players. And I, I love what Tobin uh, had to say about the whole thing. So anybody who watches film on uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, all you got to do is, is look at the last full game he played in in the Rose Bowl a year ago against Utah. I think he had, what, four or five touchdowns and broke the all-time record, 350 or 360 receiving yards in the game. I mean, it was insane what he did in that game. And that's the last time he played uh, a full college football game. But it has to scare you that that was the last time he played a full college football game. Uh, we've come to learn that Botch Lombardi, who is going to join us today, uh, some of you have seen Botch on the show before, he covers anything that, and everything that is the Dallas Cowboys. But he also is a big-time NFL draft expert. He's based out of Texas. Uh, he was supposed to join us today uh, at, was he 11. supposed to, at, at what time? 11. Yeah. He can't join us. The power is out. Uh, really bad storms apparently down in Texas. And so, uh, you know, I asked him, do you want to do it on the phone? He's like, man, I'm trying to preserve every single ounce of uh, uh, charge I have on this phone uh, in case something comes up with his family, whatever the case may be. So he is going to join us, he says, 100% for sure on Monday. Coming up later on, Darren Horn. You know, we've had him on this show before. <laughs> Many times now. Twice. We've had Wes Miller on this show before. Oh, my God. <laughs> Doing this again. <laughs> Brandon Seho, lining him up. He was a guy. He, he, he got Wes Miller, and he gets Darren Horn. Even last night. Uh, after Coach Horn had wrapped up the post-game show with Jim Kelch and Rick Roaring, Brandon reaches out. Darren Horn says, man, I'm all in. So where does that leave us thinking right now? I'll throw it to the Hammond Eggers. Gentlemen. All right. It's that time of the show, oh. the Hammond Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right, we got some business to take care of here. Let me pull it back up. We have over here the Bengals report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. You're really good at that. You're really good at that. 
Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is a new premium alkaline water out. It's right here in front of me if you're watching on YouTube. Our podcast numbers are way up, by the way. So I want to make sure Thank that you, everyone. I want to make sure that we are spelling all of this out because our podcast numbers are up crazy in the last month. Uh, a lot more people downloading this on the on in podcast form maybe than watching it live on YouTube. I don't know. Um, but the podcast numbers are up, so we appreciate everybody that has downloaded the podcast. You can find all at, you know what? Here, wait. Before I do that, let's finish Pawnee. Made in Hamilton, Ohio. <laughs> Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Bet with Betfred, get your coffee from UDF, drink Pawnee water, get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. The other thing that I was going to pub right there during our little ad segment here is everybody's downloading this show as a podcast now. You can go and find Chatterbox Reds, which Nick Kirby is doing daily after every Reds spring training and regular season game. Trace Fowler will be on with him during the live shows on Wednesday nights here through spring training, also after every game. But they are doing the podcast as well. Nick's doing that um, every night. So if you just want some quick daily 10 to 15 minute Reds recap type uh, update shows, also Rebound Rundown had the best day of the season yesterday, a most downloaded day of the season yesterday. We're peaking at the right time in March. So uh, thanks to everybody for downloading that. We also have some fun news about the Rebound Rundown, which we will talk about when Tom comes back because I want him to be in on it. Um, but uh, we have some fun news that's coming today about the re Rebound Rundown. Yes, Casey. I just want to say, everyone that's listening to the show right now, please download Rebound Rundown. I want to see it trending <laughs> on the charts. It, it is. It's up 55 spots nationally uh, in the United States. I'm, I'm so trying to get, get it higher. Trying, trying to get it back to where it was, uh, you know, as, as the charts update today. But uh, yes, thank you, thank you to everybody that's downloaded all of the Chatterbox podcast, Box Lunch, Off the Bench, Rebound Rundown. Chatterbox Reds, the mental game, not too picky. All of those are on Chatterbox Sports on the on the Chatterbox Sports podcast page on Apple um, and Spotify, wherever you want to get them. But they they are all on there. And want to want to thank everybody that has downloaded the show so far, that has contributed, that's left a review, written a review, five stars, all that stuff. But Tom, um, we Jerome Hunter fan club is getting really bent out of shape about Jer this Jer Sean Miller stuff. Jerome, uh, Jerome, you got you you got to relax, man. Jer Jerome, Jerome Hunter fan club is a loyal listener, loyal listener, and we appreciate him being here. But I mean, why does he have to go down this road with Joey Votto and Nick Castellano? Yeah, that's crossing the line. What, We're having some fun here. I didn't see what he said. I have been Sean Miller's biggest fan on this show, and you would back me up on that as a Xavier guy. You you have talked a lot about Sean I Miller. I have, that is and, true. and Jerome, it's tired. It's really tired. Uh, Ronnie, we have had Dave Lapham on the show, haven't we? We haven't. We've had him as a big interview. But yes, we, we have. A big, a big interview. Yes, which you can go back and find. There is a big interview playlist uh, on on uh, the Chatterbox Sports YouTube page. But definitely, like, next season, or, I mean, we can have him on whenever, but we, we've established a relationship with him. We can get him on every once in a while. I mean, we've got his partner on, Dan Horde. You know, we, we get 
plenty of guys coming on. So yep. I'm sure I'm sure he would be up for the yeah for that. Yeah. Uh, so what I was uh, what I was going to say was the rebound rundown. So last night, yep. Trace tweeted out. Uh, Trace tweeted out. I-, I would like to get odds on Xavier, UC, NKU, and UD to all make the NCAA tournament. What would those odds, odds on be? making it? Yeah, if all four teams made the NCAA tournament this year. So all. Wait a minute. I want to make sure I understand you here. I- you're saying their odds today of making the field. Of, of 68. Yes. Okay. So so Xavier will make the tournament. Yes. One way or the other, whether they win 100%. the biggest or not. Yes, they are in. But UD, UC, and NKU all have to win their conference tournaments respectively. So Trades tweeted at Betfred and said, hey, can I get odds on this as a parlay? And so yep. I quote tweeted it and said uh, the dance with the rebound rundown parlay, kind of as a joke. And then Betfred tweeted back. It will be boosted today in the Betfred Sportsbook. It will be available as a parlay. Really? It'll be boosted, the Dance with the Rebound Rundown parlay, in the Betfred Sportsbook app. I don't know when it'll be live today. I don't know what the odds are. Uh, I'm just working off the tweet that they tweeted back at me last night. Um, but you'll be able to go in and, and bet on the four local teams to make the NCAA tournament. I, I won't even be able to put any money on myself because Xavier is included, and they're the longest or the shortest odds of everybody. But Sure. Uh, but, but yes. you got to play it as a parlay. It's a special. Yes, right? it'll be it'll be a special. They'll they'll up the odds just a little bit because uh, because it's a boost. Um, so it'll be it'll be the four local teams: NKU, UC, UD, and Xavier. I'm sure it'll be crazy odds because UC to win the American is yeah, plus, it's got to be long plus fifteen hundred. I mean this this thing could be, as Trace said, generational wealth off a ten dollar bet. But hey, it's smart. Let's have some fun. <laughs> You're saying that the the parlay is I'm generational saying that, wealth. I'm saying this could be generational wealth off yes. like a ten dollar bet. Yes, yes, for we'll the see. parlay. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. You know, if you were looking at that though, okay, realistically, here for a second, we know Xavier's in, so we take them, push them off to the side, right? Yes. So now you've got UC, NKU, uh, Dayton. Yes. Well, UC of those three would have the longest odds without a doubt, right? Yes. Yes. Because of who they would have to beat, you know, and they haven't even started the tournament yet. Whereas NKU is already in the semis. They would probably have the shortest odds after Xavier because they're already in the semifinals of the conference tournament and an automatic qualifier. Yeah, I'm trying to they're go They're two wins away. Yeah. Everybody else is at least three away. Yes. Right? You're right. Okay. So then the next one would, would have to be Dayton. Because they don't have some juggernaut team in their conference where, you know, like like the American does with Houston. Houston's the number one ranked team in the country. Yeah, VCU is good, but they're not they're not anything to, you know, write home about necessarily, I guess, if you're going from that perspective. Okay, so here we go. The AAC. I might bet on this parlay. Cincinnati is plus 1,500, so I'll plug that in. Okay. In the Atlantic 10, uh, oh, they don't have Atlantic 10 odds yet. So, I can't put that up. And then the Horizon League, NKU is plus 340 to win the Horizon. Xavier's already in. I'm not even going to include them in this. Maybe I'll put them at minus 10,000. And then I will put, let's just say that uh, that uh, that's Dayton to win the Atlantic 10 is plus, I don't know, 300. We'll say plus 300. A $10 bet. On that before the boost, 
pays you almost $3,000. $10 bet? Almost $3,000. If all four make it. Yes. Yeah, my my math is a little off. But that, that's currently just today's game. That's just today's game. Yeah. And they would have to win three in the in the tournament yes. to get there. Okay. That's why I say Northern Kentucky. I mean, they're right there. They're plus 340. So just below Dayton. I, I mean, I'm just guessing. I know Dayton's you are, odds. but I'm saying, yeah, yeah I find that. Yeah, well, okay. All right. I, I still think that, that Northern Kentucky after Xavier would have by far better odds than anybody else. If for no other reason, they're already in the semifinal of their conference tournament. So it looks like Dayton. And they've split with the team they're playing next, who's the number one seed. Yeah. Um, it, I can't, it can't find it. Doesn't look like it's available yet. Oh, you know why it probably isn't available yet? Is because, um, it's actually, I'm wondering if maybe, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do this parlay. Um, but not everything has been decided yet in the, in the A-10. Because they still play games tonight, so we'll yes. see how that all shakes there's, out. There's actually a couple interesting uh, boosts today. Um, might as well do a small little segment here about these because I yes, think you'll find you know, these I'm all for it. The Betfred boost Mac attack. Kent State and Ohio both win is at plus 100. I like that. Plus 100. So you, you what? You bet 100 and win 100? You, yep. Even money. Even money. And For then, Kent State and Ohio University to win just, tonight? Just to win tonight. Okay. And then Reds over 65 and a half regular season wins is also at even money at plus 100. All right, let me ask you guys a question. Okay. If you had, I'm not going to say Bill Gates cash or Warren Buffett cash or, you know, uh, uh, Elon Musk cash. I'm, I'm not talking about that kind of cash. But if you had a really significant amount of money okay where you know you could go bet and i'm gonna let you fill in the blank here if the reds over under is what 65 is that what you just said 65 and a half 65 and a half how much money would you place on that bet hmm. i think they go over i'd place a lot of money on it i think yeah. they go over 60 i mean would you bet like a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand on the red sixty-five and a half over. If I had Bill Gates money, well, I didn't say Bill Gates, but I'm saying you had a, you had a lot of money. Let's say you had money to throw around. Like a just lot. What, what's in your mind? If you had it, would you make a hundred thousand dollar bet on that, where it's not going to ruin your life or change your life if you lose it? I would. Sure. I, I'm all in oh, on yeah. winning. It's not going to change your life if you lose it. Yeah. I mean, I think the Reds get there this year. I really do. I mean, plus it was at minus 130. So it's not the biggest boost, but it is significant that it's a one for one now, in my opinion. When I look at these, I, I take into the consideration what it's, how much it's being boosted. What, what are the, because wouldn't I, I would take that bet if it wasn't boosted. If it was at minus one thirty, yeah. I would still take that. So yeah, Problem I'm is all you just gotta wait so long for that money. Well, yeah. of course you do, but you, you know that so when you're long. making a baseball bet like that. That's not, that's why I just So have... yes or no, would you if you if you had a hundred oh, yeah. you you'd make that bet on the yeah. Reds. Oh yeah. I think the Reds get there this year. I really Casey, do. would you make that bet? Yeah, I'd make the bet. I think I, that's I, a you're thing. not a baseball guy, Casey. You'd be betting on something that you admittedly don't know a ton about. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at the, I've looked at their, 
their records as the past like 10 seasons to kind of gauge how I feel about them going over that, that 65 and a half mark. I think they can do it, especially with the way things have been going. They, they've bottomed out. So they've got to go up at some point. That, that's a reasonable. And I think, I, I think this would be a great time for them to get to that, like 75 where they're like, you know, now, okay, now we're getting You're aggressive. Agreeing. Now we're getting aggressive. Maybe we get to 70. 70 is the ceiling for the team. Maybe we get to right, 70. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's like that's the ceiling. That's what I'm that's what I'm 70 means 70 wins and 92 losses. That's Correct. The ceiling for the Reds. Okay. Yikes. Ah, they might get to 75. I hope they do. I hope they do. 75 would be 75. Nice. Nah, come on. 70 that's come on. Come no. on. Nobody wants that. Reds were off, by the way, yesterday. Um, are they back at it today? They are. They play the Chicago White Sox today at 3.05. Over the weekend, they'll be playing Kansas City. Is that, a, is that like a renewed rivalry between Kansas City and Cincinnati? Burrowhead. True. Burrowhead. Burrowhead. You can take it to the bank. Somebody will be at that, that game. And we'll say out loud for the crowd to hear Burrowhead. Of course. Somebody from Kansas City will say that. Get into or a maybe crowd, even Mike. Cincinnati will say that. Yeah. I'll say it. I'll go there myself. Are you going to go to that game next year, Casey? Uh, no. That stadium was awful to go to. Ooh. Casey's Terrible. out on Burrowhead Stadium. Uh, Casey's out uh, on it. Burrowhead Stadium. Man, their parking lot was atrocious. I've heard that a million it times. It was bad. And. And the, the layout of the stadium, not great. I mean, I understand it's one of the loudest stadiums, but that's that's about all they got. All right. All right. But <laughs> if I were to go. To the game? To the game. I'd be yelling, screaming. At Royals fans? No, no, he's talking about the Chiefs. Oh, okay. Chiefs, right. Chiefs okay. fans. And, All right. Yeah, Royals fans too. It's Burrowhead State. That that place is. You can no owned. longer ever say that again, Casey. Why not? Because they lost. Oh, come on, Tom. Because they lost. Yes. Just because they lost. You cannot say it anymore. They lost. They lost. They lost. It's, I mean, that that is now D U N. How is that, how is that over? It's not. Oh, it's it's come over, on, guys. Uh, some news coming out of Indianapolis. Apparently, Bryce Young. We were talking about him earlier. Uh, highly rated prospect. Some say he might be the biggest pick in the draft. Says he understands the questions the league's personnel evaluators might have about his size and potential durability. He says because he has a mirror. I like that. He said, I've been this size my whole life. Says, I know who I am. Said this just a few minutes ago. He said, I know who I am. I know what I can do. For me, it's fair. Everyone can speculate, ask me every question. I'm going to continue to control what I can control, continue to keep working my hardest. I'm confident in myself. I know what I can do. Now, he will not be officially weighed or measured at the Combine until Saturday. Of course, he won a Heisman Trophy, SEC Player of the Year. He's done all that kind of stuff. But uh, he says, I don't really know too much about what's said about me and don't really care. He said, I'm grateful for everyone's opinion. I respect everyone's opinion, but I focus on what I can control. I take the advice and direction of the people that I trust. 
says, I've been in the 200-pound range, and that's something that's not been too hard to do. Most feel like he is significantly lighter than that, but we'll find out for sure tomorrow. Guy's a player. He's a player. But is there... Should there be durability questions when it comes to the size of a quarterback? Drew Brees was really small. He wasn't tall, wasn't heavy. He was in great shape. He was not a runner. And they protected him well, and he became one of the most prolific passers in the history of the NFL. Tua is roughly the same size, a little taller than Brees, but certainly very lean. Now, is he an outlier? Concussions? injuries is he an outlier or is it a fair comparison with Bryce Young you know I I don't know if it matters because quarterbacks in general it doesn't matter how big or small you are I think they will get hurt if they get hit that's just it if you're gonna get hit a lot you're gonna get hurt it's up to the team to put guys around him to protect him I mean, look no further than just what happened recently with Justin Herbert. He had a, what, a broken rib? I mean, the second week of the season. And, yeah, he's a tough dude. He played through it. Um, quarterbacks have to have a tough mental game. And they've got to be able to play through injury. Um, that's just kind of simple as that to me. I, I don't look at the the – the height thing until it gets to a point where the guy is having to jump to look over the line. That That's a problem in my opinion. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, uh, I don't know if he jumps over to look at over the lineman, but someone that comes to mind, like Doug Flutie, where he was jumping before throwing. Um, and he had some, some yes, okay Yes, he seasons, did. He but, was an exciting player to watch. But, I mean, that, that to me would concern me because you got to change your game plan at that point. You're – it's hard to throw over the middle of the field when you can't see over your lineman. But I don't think it's a problem. I mean, I don't see how it can be an injury concern. I think it's a schematic concern if you can't look over your line, if you can't see downfield. But I don't think that should be a problem for, for Bryce Young. I don't think he's small enough for that to matter, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Uh, before we get to uh, Darren Horn, uh, and that'll be at 11.30, we don't have Botch Lombardi. My apologies for uh, sending that out, though we were. Again, if you're just joining us, he had a power outage down where he is in Texas, and so he is unable to, uh, to join us. He will on Monday if the uh, power is restor restored. This weekend uh, will be senior day at a lot of different colleges all over the country. Paul, you look, at, you look at Xavier's seniors, right? Now, help me here. I know you have Fremantle. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. But he could come back another year if he wanted, right? Yeah, so the three guys that are going to walk tomorrow for the senior day ceremonies is Jack Nunji, Sule Boom, and Adam Kunkel. Kunkel and Boom are the only two that cannot come back. Nunji could come back. Fremantle could come back. Kiki Tandy could come back. Jerome Hunter could come back. All those guys could come back if they wanted to. They all still have their COVID year. Um, but Boom and Kunkel have already used it, so they will not be back. They for sure, they're done. They're, they're out of college after this year. Nunji is going to walk in the ceremony, uh, but Paul Scruggs walked twice, so 
He yeah, could come back right. if he wanted to. Right. Yeah. It, just because he's doing it doesn't mean he's gonna, you know, not gonna come back. Just like the four guys that aren't doing it, or three guys that aren't doing it. Um, you know, and I thought maybe Kobe Jones would do it if he knew for sure he was going to the NBA draft. But that's definitely not a, a for sure thing yet, even though he's only a junior. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that those are the guys. And then DeJulius, Pay, and uh, Rob Finnessy are the three that are going to walk for Cincinnati. And just like Xavier, those are the only three guys that um, they're going to walk because they have also exhausted their eligibility. All right, walk me through, though. The, let's start with the guys from Xavier. Okay, the, they're the three we know we're going to walk. Yeah. What's the, you know, look, they're clearly, it goes without saying, there's a big difference between a guy who's been around there for four, sometimes five, in this day and age, even six because of the COVID year, and yeah. maybe he had a medical red shirt, and, you know, all those kinds of things. So it's very different when you have a guy who's been around for a long time, but maybe that guy has not been a super productive standout player. He's busted his tail in practice every day, done all the right things, good academically, important part of the program. For these guys walking for Xavier tomorrow night, what do you think the crowd reaction is to each? Clearly, they'll be supportive, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, what do you think their, their, their sort of emotional attachment is to each of these three guys? Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because for Boom, he's only been here one year. Yeah. But he's had a great one year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of these guys have been massive. I mean, obviously massive contributors to this team. Kunkel came came in during COVID and um, it's kind of latched on. It's, it's not Reed Mouse's guy, but a lot of people like him. Uh, Sule Boom, he has been unbelievable this year. I mean, he's played to a level where he could be the Big East player of the year. He's not going to be. Tyler Kolick will be, but he certainly had a case to do that until about a couple of weeks ago. And then Jack Nungy came in a couple of years ago and has been phenomenal. He's been a massive part of the reason. This is not the end of the bench. This is not, uh, well, he got five minutes. Th these are three major contributors to Xavier's team um, and all the upperclassmen, really. I mean, you look at the depth of this team, all these these upperclassmen right now are, are you know contributing at a really high level. So... Yeah, I, I think that uh, the crowd will be very receptive to, to these guys, just given how much they've been through with COVID and everything else. And, and Nunji, the injuries he's had at Iowa to then come here and have this. But he's coming back. Nunji? Yeah. Well. He's coming back. I don't. You don't think so? I, mean, I, would, I, I think it's very much up in the air. He could. But well, I, I mean, what, what do you think is his alternative is? You think he's going to be a high pick in the NBA draft? No, no. I think he's just, he's old. He's been in college for, I mean, he had a redshirt year too. He, I mean, he's been in college since 2018. Well, I know, but what, but what kid, if you could continue to play basketball and get a full scholarship, he's probably in grad school by now, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Why, why, I mean, unless there's some pressing need to go out in the world and start making money or whatever it might be, and maybe he could play in Europe or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, unless there's some pressing um, family need to go out. You know, I've heard very few kids, if they had a chance to kind of just keep playing basketball because you never know. I don't think it's out of the possibility that Nungie, if he plays another year of college, could be a pro player. Yeah, I don't think so either. I've heard, I've heard some people talk about scouting with Nungie. I mean, there have been a ton of NBA scouts at Xavier Games here re recently, and uh, I would not be surprised if he got a look. Um, I don't think he would be drafted, but I – I think that he could get a look. The question then just becomes, 
do you make more money at Xavier doing an NIL deal or do you go and make more money overseas? Right. I think that's where I think that's where the decision probably comes into play. Cuz he has family from Indiana. He's married. They live here. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he came back at all. All right, let me ask you this. Um, of all of the players that are going to walk this weekend for both big schools here in town, for Xavier yeah. and UC, I think the most emotional of the entire, of, of all the guys, is going to be DeJulius. I was just going to say, DeJulius yeah. has had such a resurgent career after his time at Michigan. He's had such a resurgent career at, at UC. He's been the heart and soul of that team. He's been the reason that UC's really been as relevant as they are even to that level this year that DeJulius has done what he has been able to do this year. So, uh, yeah, because I, I, Rob Finnessy's been hurt. He hasn't really been able to get attached to UC as much as you know the fans wanted to latch on to him. And, and, and it just it hasn't really worked out with how much he's been hurt. Zikpay hasn't panned out probably as much as fans at UC would like him to have. So now that leaves to Julius, and I think to Julius deservedly so will get a massive standing yes. ovation yes. on Saturday. Yes, and even or though Sunday, right. yeah, right, and even though uh, it's a Sunday afternoon game, even though um, Wes Miller was not there recruiting David to Julius, I mean, you know, uh, he has been the guy, as you point out, front and center. Whatever they've asked him to do, you know, be more of a point guard, be more in an off guard, whatever it might be, they've asked him to do and. And Wes Miller has just raved about him uh, seemingly uh, in, his, in his shows that he does during the week. Heard him a little bit last night um, uh, talking about this situation or whether it's post-game shows. Um, and, and hopefully DeJulius can, can have a, a number of games left in him besides just this weekend and a game or two in the American Conference Tournament. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it's got to be such an emotional day. I was thinking about this last night. On a much lower level, but a lot of you out there are going to be able to relate to this because you've had kids that played high school athletics, boys, girls, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think back and we joke around a lot about uh, when I used to coach youth basketball and my sons and daughters teams. Well, last night was um, the final game because they got beaten the tournament by a lot of the kids that I coached going all the way back um, to, to kindergarten. And, and, you know, they play for your youth team and you're thinking, oh, gosh, who cares about youth sports? Hey, for the overwhelming majority, 99% of us, that's all we're going to get out of ourselves or our kids, right? And you enjoy every second of it. And so to be there last night, and I made it a point with about 15 seconds left in the game, it was very clear they were going to lose. Uh, they were down by four and, and, and the other team was going to the free throw line. And, and I just found myself standing in the corner of the UD arena by myself and just watching as they went through the, uh, to shake hands, uh, the line at the end of the game, and looking at these four or five kids that I coached all the way back, and, and then looking at their parents, who I've, I've lived around my whole you know, adult life, or at least here in Cincinnati adult life, and, and it's the last time they're going to watch their kid play in an organized you know, uh, school basketball game and and I know that we're facing that we my wife Polly and me we're facing that um, when our son hopefully it's winning a state championship game in lacrosse but if it's not that day's going to come to win he made the decision he's not playing in college um, and that's going to be that 
And that's a hard day for, for a parent. That's a really hard day. I was just looking at some of the parents last night, and I talked to myself, man, think of all of the hours and, 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 and driving to games and, and going to camps and, and committing your time as, as the dad or the mom and, and watching them play and you know, getting hurt and uh, whatever it might be, and, and then it's over. Now, there are a lot of things to look forward to, and you're grateful they're healthy and all those kinds of things, but um, that's an emotional day. You guys will find out one day. Well, Casey, pretty soon. No. No. <laughs> Tom, is, is Luke going to play in college? No, he had, he had decided, you know, he weighs 140 pounds soaking wet. They're shooting 90 miles an hour at him uh, as a goalie from me to you. He's just, he's just beat up. And he's got this one last ride. There were a number of people interested in him playing collegiately for them. A lot of them. And uh, he's just like, you know what? No. No. And, I, and I'm glad, truthfully, that he's not. I will miss it, but I'm glad he's not. Because he can go be a student just like you. Or like Casey. Although Casey's forgotten where he went to school. Yeah, it's tough to remember sometimes. It was all just a blur. I thought maybe you'd come in wearing your Norse hat today. He doesn't even know where he doesn't even have that's right, Brandon. He doesn't have one. He wore it after the UC game. It's a soccer one. Yeah, he has one. I got a bucket hat. NKU soccer. Yeah. There's been one day he wore NKU stuff. Yeah. Well, Brandon's right. It was the day that mattered. It was the day that mattered. One day. Well, when they when they when they win the Horizon, I'll I'll wear my stuff. When they win the Horizon, you come in here on Wednesday wearing all your NKU stuff. Well, you know, I'm going to ask Coach Horn about it because I listened to his postgame show last night, Paul, and you and I were talking about this today. Uh, I think they finished the season either 14-3 and three or 15-3 and three at home. I think it was 14-3. and three. They had 17 home games. Yeah. He was upset last night at the size of the crowd. Now, help me with something here because I don't want to go off the reservation. What is the enrollment at Northern Kentucky University? Casey. It's got to be the largest school in the state. Right, Casey. The largest school in the state. Oh, I be, I'll bet you it's. I'll bet you it's bigger than. May not. Maybe not Louisville. I bet it's bigger than the University of Kentucky. Uh, Fifteen thousand. All right. Well, then I'm dead wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say that's... Kentucky's thirty thousand. Okay, that was I'm, de I'm dead wrong about ago. that. That was what? NKU undergrad enrollment is ten thousand eight hundred, as of twenty twenty one. Yeah, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna say it's not a very big. I mean, it's so total it's growing, enrollment's but, about fifteen, sixteen thousand. Yeah, it's growing. It's still growing, I would say. Okay, but it's getting there. And there's a lot of commuter students. Yes, I, that that's their big niche right now is the commuters. At least it was for when I went to school. I I went from Blanchester to NKU just about every right. day. Oh, you didn't dorm? No, I didn't dorm. Mm. It's a beautiful campus over there. It is a beautiful campus uh, over there in northern Kentucky. They they have, in Highland Heights, I guess technically is the town where it's in. But it's it's a beautiful setup, great arena. But he was upset last night. He brought it up in the post game show. Uh, he was talking with Jim Kelch about the team and the players and the effort and all this kind of thing. And then right as Jim was saying, "Hey, coach, congratulations. Wish you nothing but the best. It's a fifth straight time." Uh, it's his fourth straight time where they're the only school in the Horizon League to reach the semifinals of the Horizon League Conference Tournament to get to the semis. 
Um, they've had 21 seasons. And I always throw out the COVID year. I hate when, when people say, you know, four out of his five years, talking about Darren Horn, they've, they've, uh, they've reached 20 wins. I throw out the COVID thing. That, that, that's it. It, it's, I mean, it's, it's just even stupid. It's not comparing apples to apples. Every year he's been there, they've won 20 or more games. Paul, you were there last night. Yeah. What would you think of the crowd? I thought the crowd that was there. He said the ones. He did go out. Let me say. Let me correct before I go any further. He did say in the post game the ones that came were really into it. Well, that was, yeah, that was, that was what I just started to okay. say. The, the crowd that was there was great. just wasn't a huge crowd, which, you know, a, a Thursday night against Oakland, that you would think that for the first round, or it's not the first round, it's the quarterfinal round. I keep saying that. Quarterfinal round of the Horizon League tourney. I thought, I thought they probably would fill up the lower bowl. They didn't. Um, They'll be but, there for the final. Well, that's in Indianapolis. I know, but they'll be there for they pro- Yeah, they'll they do travel. The they do travel pretty well. Indiana Farmers Coliseum, Tom. Beautiful spot. See you there Tuesday night. That is the home of IUPUI. Pooey pooey. And the State Fair. And the State Fair. They, they, I mean, the pictures of it, you put it up yesterday. It looks like a beautiful place to go watch a game. I'm not saying it's some brand-new state-of-the-art place. I'm not saying that. But it looks like a nice venue to yeah. go watch a basketball game. I've never been, so I can't comment one way or the other. But they will be there Monday night and Tuesday night. Uh, Monday night semifinal, 7 o'clock against Youngstown State. They split the season series against Youngstown State. Uh, and if they win that, they'll go to the final. I can't believe Antoine Davis didn't get that record last night. I can't believe he didn't end as – the all-time leading score. His last shot was a three-point attempt. Right at the buzzer, yep. and he missed it. That yep. would have tied the record. Yes, it would have. I'm glad he didn't tie it. Tying it would have stunk. Either break it or don't break it. Because tying it as somebody that played almost 60 more games than Pistol Pete, and Pistol Pete doing that without the shot clock, without the three-point line, Averaging 44 a game in three years. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. That's you know, ridiculous. one thing we didn't talk about the other day, speaking of ridiculous, it was the anniversary, and, 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 and shame on me for not talking about it, because I could be wrong. I, I'm wrong a lot. I, that we're never going to see it again. And that was the anniversary of Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points in an NBA game. That was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Did you guys know that? It wasn't even in Philly. He was playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. That game was played in Hershey, Pennsylvania. But can you imagine? We were talking the other night about Damian Lillard, right? Yeah, the 70. Right? 70, yeah. 71. Yeah. You're still a great game away from 100. A great game, most of us feel like you pour in 29. That's a hell of a game. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. A hundred. And Wilt wasn't shooting threes. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that nobody will ever score again just with the way that the NBA works now and, and a lot of these guys that can just sort of go off on any given night that if somebody got hot and decided, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go out there and score a million tonight. I'm not going to say we won't see it, but it's going to be – pretty damn hard to get back to 100 yeah the odds would be ridiculous oh yeah but it would take it would take a lot of dominoes to fall like everyone being hurt on a team him being the only one 
to be able to shoot or yeah. whoever it may be. But you know what it would be? It would be the uh, LaMelo Ball situation from a few years ago. Do you remember that, Tom? Yes. Where LeVar Ball basically went out and said, LaMelo, you're going to score – I don't. I forget how many he scored. It was over a hundred points in a game in high school, and he. They basically did it as a publicity stunt, and he said, "Here, go out and score a million points," and it was all over. It was headlines. It was all over the place, and then once you watched five seconds of the game film, you realized the whole game was designed around him scoring 120 points or whatever it was in a game, and all he did was stand underneath the basket. His teammates chucked it up the court he didn't play defense he stood on the other side of the court yeah, so they, see that's, that's they played five on four yeah. the whole game basically i basically played five on four the whole game passed it up the court and then he would just lay it in and he got 100 and however many points he scored yeah, that that's game. not basketball no and it just it was just very clearly a lavar ball publicity stunt right. and it worked everybody's talking about it that's Look at me. Right. i'm talking about it five years later that's and right to, and to lamello's credit he's a very he's out for the year now but He's a very good NBA player. Yes, he is. You know, like, and it's a shame he, he's seriously hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's done for the year. So well, that, the, the closest any player has ever come uh, to Chamberlain, which, by the way, when he scored 100 points in a game to break the all-time record, he broke his own record. He held the prior record at 78 points in a game. Then he goes for a Honda. Yeah. The only player that's ever gotten 80 or better was Kobe Bryant. Uh, who did it back in 2006. But, but think about this for a second, okay? Chamberlain in this game shoots 63 times. Not one three-point shot attempt. He goes 36 of 63. From a line, he goes 28 of 32. That was 87% in that game. He was a career 51% free throw shooter so not only are you talking about an unbelievable player right but yeah. the stars were aligned for an unbelievable player for a guy who couldn't make free throws and he goes to the line 32 times he makes 28 of them right, right? i think that's what's incredible is he was fouled that many times too and he still put up a game like that it's very impressive i don't think i i you know what i'll go out on a limb and say that'll probably never get broken 100 points? Yeah, I don't think it'll ever break. I, I do think so. I just, you see so many of these, these guys. I, I, it ain't going to happen. I, I, it ain't going to happen. Unless it's some borderline stunt. Yeah. But there's no way the NBA would allow something like that to happen. No. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you were talking about the ball thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it'll get close. I think someone will try to. You think somebody hits 90? I think someone will get to 90, but I just don't see 100. I really don't. I do think you make a good point, though, Tom, where even if you think back to Kobe's 81, 19 points is a lot of points. Like, to get those extra 19 points, to get to it, it, it's unreal. To get to 100. You, you know, got to hit six threes plus a free throw. Yeah, it's a lot. Right? That's, that's a lot of yeah. possessions, yeah. Think about this for a second, then we'll tie a ribbon around his thing because we got Coach Horn coming up here in a second. But I want everybody to try to put in perspective here a minute, okay? That season for Wilt Chamberlain. Now, you can talk about whether 100 points is ever going to be hit, and we can go back and forth on that all day long. But his stat line from that season, now this was a man 7-1, pounds back in the early 60s. 
His stat line from that season. Now, let's start with the fact that an NBA game is 48 minutes long, okay? NBA game is 48 minutes long. Will Chamberlain that season averaged 48.5 minutes per game. They played 10 overtime games. And he did not miss a minute of any of them. Okay, so let's start with that. Okay. So the games are 48 minutes. He averages more than that playing time per game, which virtually says he never comes out of the game. Yeah. Right? Okay. He averaged 40 field goal attempts per game. 40. He averaged 17 free throw attempts per game. But here are the only two numbers you have to know. He averaged that season 50 points and 26 rebounds per game. 50 points and 26 rebounds per game. If he was better than a 51% free throw shooter, he'd average 60 points a game. It's incredible. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. I tell you, and and look, as we all get older, you tend to you know brush guys off to the side. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? Who is? I don't know how in the world when you're talking about Wilt and you're talking about LeBron and you're talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it blows my mind of how infrequently the name Wilt Chamberlain is brought up. This cat was unbelievable. He was very good. And he was good off the court, too. You guys aren't old enough to remember. He was one of, there used to be, it wasn't Barbara Walters, but there, it may have been Barbara Walters. They used to do this interview show. She put together this special about once every three months where it would, it would be like an extended period of time with fill in the blank. Will Chamberlain had built this house, and there are some of you who are going to be able to remember this story. It was one of the most unbelievable things I have ever seen. He built this glass house up on top of the Hollywood Hills mountains that had indoor-outdoor pool, and this is before anybody had indoor, you know, where the pool came into the house and... She sits down and does this interview with him, and he had written a book about all these women. I mean, this guy was like, you know, he was truly uh, larger than life in in multiple ways. But I've gone into a rant about um, the great Will Chamberlain. By the way, I hope our friend, uh, I guess I upset him earlier because he's not come back. Your good friend, Jerome Hunter. (laughs) I'm sure he's still watching, though. He watches every day. No, he... I, I, I just made the point, you know, he thought what I was saying in a total tongue-in-cheek manner about Sean Miller. I love Sean Miller. Uh, and he got upset, and then he took everything off the reservation by going down the Castellanos Road and starts chanting, Tom, go look in the mirror. Jerome Hunter Club, come on. You've been a part of this show regularly. Come on back in. Let's let bygones be bygones. Let's let everything go. You all in favor of that, Paul? Sure. Well, he's in the chat. He is in the chat. He said he's here. He's fine. 
<laughs> Jerome. They see, there he goes. He said, and didn't get upset, just talking facts. See, and then now why do we go down that road? Mm-hmm. That's an extra line where you've just taken it with, I'm not upset, to now all of a sudden, bang. Right back at it again. Why are we in America going down that road all the time? Why can't we just say, hey, man, you know what? A little misunderstanding. I got a little heated. I didn't like what you said. Didn't like you called me out. Let's just let it go. But no. No, that's okay. We have forgiving hearts here. We also have Darren Horn here in just a second. All right, we good. See it. We I'm see excited it about up. it. Very excited about it. see it popping up here. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we hadn't covered yet. The one thing that I would like to talk about that we, we didn't real we brought it up in the monologue and it kind of goes back to it. Does the combine really matter? And that's the kid that ran the four, four, nine, right? The guy from Northwestern. Yeah. The guy that was the fringe player. That is why the combine matters for players like that who yes. are now a lock for a first-round grade. He's not a lock for a first-round draft pick. He's not Tom, a lock based Tom, on a 40. Two, Played in the Big Ten Northwestern. I'm not going to comment much about him because I don't know anything about him. I don't know what kind of season he had. Are you able to look that up and tell me how many sacks he had for Northwestern last year he had in the six. Big Ten? He had six. I okay, think. he had a good year. Six is a good number. It's not a great number. It's a good number. Yeah. But is there a bet Fred sports line on whether or not he's a number one round draft pick? Uh, I don't think they give out lines for everyone if they're going to be a first round draft pick or not. But what all I'm saying is he was that fringe guy. And this is where players like him. Yes. Who were not even discussed as the some of the top pass you're rushers. Right. You're right, Casey. He, he is now a – there is a discussion there because just the trends in the NFL, you draft an athlete at edge rusher. You don't draft just production and then you test terribly. That's not how the league works anymore. I mean, the, the, the best pass rushers are usually the best athletes. So for him specifically, I, I don't see him falling to the Bengals anymore. If that was even an option, I think he's going to go early. Okay. Well, it's something to keep an eye on. But for the discussion-wise, before we get Darren on here, I see that he's getting ready. Okay. That is why the draft matters, is because you can have that happen and or it confirms what you see on tape, which is ultimately why we had the discussion about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yep. Is – you know, it, he's not much of a burner anyways on tape, so why do you even need to, the 40? So, anyways, I got Darren Horn here. I think he's ready to go if you're ready to have him, Tom. Okay. I, I am really excited for this guy because we really like this guy. He's a big-time friend of the program. I wasn't here the other day. I had a daughter that had to go to the hospital down at TCU in Texas, so we were, you know, up all night worrying about her. Thank God everything's good. I missed him the other day. Coach, congratulations on the big win last night. Still alive, baby. Still alive. It's all that matters in March. Survive and advance. By, by the way, Trace stepped in big time the other day. Well, big you time. Know, 
you, you know, you're, you're a sports fan. And so, you know, it was pointed out to me that, uh, that I might end up being Wally Pip when all of a sudden I'm replaced <laughs> by Lou Gehrig. So now, you ever you're, use you're that back, on a player? Man. You ever use that on a player who's kind of walking oh, yeah. around, maybe nursing something? You ever drop that name on him? You tell the Wally Pip story almost every year in coaching, right? Just, just, just to make sure they know. Now the problem is nobody knows who Lou Gehrig is anymore. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> We're a couple right. of generations away from that, but uh, my generation was probably the last one to appreciate and respect Lou. But uh, absolutely, you tell the Wally Pip story to let them know. So last night you had just played Oakland, uh, your final game of the regular season, and then you go as a four. They're the number five. You know you're going to play them again. Just, just, just you know. To, to learn a little bit something about coaching and, and about game planning for all of us that love sports and love college basketball. Is, is that hard to do or you know a team so well, they know you so well, who are we trying to trick here? Let's just go out and execute what we do. What was that preparation like just going into the game last night? Yeah, that, that, that's a really great question, Tom. I, I think a lot of it depends on where your team is. I would say in general, and, and this is just my opinion and philosophy, the most important thing in March is can you be your best and play your best? Uh, you know, whatever that means based on, you know, your personnel and how you need to play to be successful on both ends of the floor. So that that's a big part of the preparation, right? And, and then, you know, from a mentality standpoint for us, we just talked a lot about, especially because not, not only we play Oakland, but we won and we made 15 threes, right? It might have been the most we've made all year. I think we may have hit 16 one game, but, uh, you know, it's, that's a lot of threes. And so just, you know, you can't assume you're going to make all those threes again. And just kind of having and building the mentality with your guys headed into the game. Hey, guys, we, we've got to play this game, right? Not, not, not Saturday's game, not the game we played against Oakland, you know, back in January. All right, not, not, not the next game if we win. We got to play this game that we're in right now, possession by possession. And, and I give our, our guys a ton of credit, Tom. They, they really did that uh, throughout the game, kind of kind of stayed the course and uh, did, did what we had to do to survive in advance. You know, I heard your post-game show last night, Coach, with Jim Kelch, and we love Jim Kelch, longtime friend, great broadcaster. And I was listening to it driving back from a high school game up in Dayton last night. And, and, and you had made the comment, kind of like you, 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 you did there just a second ago about getting your guys playing great in March. What is something, and you take away injuries because you don't know where you're going to be health-wise and all that kind of thing, sure. but, but as an overall philosophy, and I heard you make those comments about that's what we try to do is get our guys to, to – what does that mean of how you're trying to get your guys by the month of March – to really be playing it. It looks like offensively, especially right now, you guys are doing just that. Yeah, honestly, Tom, for us, it's, it's a year-round thing here. You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, what, what, what's going what's gonna to be championship level, uh, you know? So even if we're in, uh, you know, weight, weight training in the summer and not doing a lot of basketball stuff, you know, or are you doing it at a level that's a championship level? You know, are you, are you giving your best? Is that going to be enough when we, when we need it uh, you know, at tournament time and, and just trying to build that mentality of that's the level that you want to play and compete at. That's what we're working towards, uh, you know, for sure. And, and then I, I think the other thing is just, you know, trying to build a mentality with your guys that, hey, th th this is what it's about, man. This is what it's for. We're going to keep getting better. So some of that during the year, even though you want to be at that level, you know, whether it's going great or whether it's not going great, it's still a mentality of, hey, guys, we're trying to get better. 
All right, we're trying to be our best at the end of this thing. You know, if you have a great game, hey, guys, that's great. We're not trying to win a championship on January 3rd. We're trying to win a championship on March 3rd, right? And so kind of building that mentality of the year, continuing to get better so that, you know, they, they, they kind of feel like this is what they're built for and, and, and this is what we do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's paid off so far, and our guys have really responded to it. You know, we're really fortunate. It's my, it's my fourth year here and our, our fourth straight year where we've given ourselves a chance to, to, to get to Indy and, and have a chance to win the championship. Well, I, I mentioned earlier, you're the only team in the Horizon League Conference now five consecutive years. And I, I said a little while ago, I throw out the COVID year. That is, it's apples to oranges when you're comparing that kind of thing. So it's now five straight years Northern Kentucky has played in the final four of the Horizon League uh, tournament. You're going back there this year. You know, a couple of areas of the game last night uh, and looking inside some of the numbers, uh, it, it doesn't always tell the story, but but a lot of times I think it tells you about effort and tells you about how bad your guys want it is when you out-rebound Oakland. I think it was 34-24, if I'm not mistaken. You get 10 offensive rebounds, and the Brandon kid, what, his 16th game out of 32 or something you've played where he's had 10 or more rebounds in a game. Yeah, and, and, and scored a little bit last night too, yeah. right? Had 13 points for a double-double. And, you know, we, we feel like when Chris is doing that, he's definitely as good as anybody in our league and, you know, one of the better guys in college basketball. And the offensive rebounding is really important for us, Tom, because as, as athletic and, and, and good as Chris is around the basket, rebounding and finishing, not really a back-to-the-basket type score. And so for us to get extra possessions and have an opportunity to – to get more points and, and get to the foul line some uh, by offensive rebounding. And that, that, that's an area that's really, really important for our team. And, you know, oddly enough, we, we do a better job of it off the three-pointers uh, uh, when we're, we're shooting threes, uh, rebounding the ball. I think we're top 50 in the country, maybe even top 40 now in rebounding our own uh, missed threes. And so uh, against a team like Oakland, who kind of forces you into shooting a lot of threes, uh, you know, it was important for us to get on the glass. And so... You know, I think, and, and maybe the biggest thing he did was it helped us get to the foul line. We drew some fouls yeah. doing it, and so that got us to the foul line, which is not something we're, we're great at with the way that we're built. Uh, but I think we shot like uh, 20, 27 free throws last night. All right, now Youngstown State, uh, you're the four seed. They're the number one seed. I mean, there was only a one-game difference. You were 14-6 and six in the league. They were 15-5 and five in the league. Uh, you split with them during the regular season. You won the first encounter. The second time, you got knocked around pretty good by them. What style? Of, what style? What kind of a game should we expect uh, uh, for you guys against Youngstown State? You, you know, it's a great question, Tom. I, I think it, it could be a, a grinded out game. Uh, you know, but 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 it could be a game where you know both teams are, are really scoring well. You know, they're, they're they're a terrific team. You know, they've got a guy in Dwayne Cohill, Tom, that. If it wasn't for Antoine Davis having literally a historic year in in college basketball history, like, you know, up there with a guy named Pistol Pete, yeah. Dwayne Cohill's probably player of the year in our league. Uh, you know, fantastic player, great numbers, you know, led Youngstown State to a regular season championship where they've never done, uh, you know, before in this league. And, uh, you know, they're extremely athletic. Uh, they're very dangerous offensively. Uh, defensively, they've got the ability to switch uh, at all five positions and present some issues there. And so, you know, I think it's one of those games, like a lot of tournament games, that uh, like a like a big heavyweight fight, right? You know, it, it could end up being kind of a knockdown drag out, or you know, if both teams get it going, it could be a, a game that that has some up and down and, and has a lot of scoring. I think we're just going to have have to see how it goes. So all the top four seeds win in the opening round of the Horizon League, and now you got the top four seeds in the semis. Do you like the setup of the tournament where 
okay, you get the one game at home last night, and now you have a number of days off before you play again uh, as the tournament moves to Indianapolis on Monday with a championship game the, ne the next day. You like that setup? I, I like it if you if you have to do home sites to some degree, right? If, if your league needs to do home sites, uh, I, I like it. Uh, you know, the, the only other thing I might uh, uh, fight for is, and, and this was true our first year. Now, we only had 10 teams in the league here, but my first year here, the top two teams got to buy all the way to the semifinals. Uh, you know, so if the goal at the mid-major level is to try to protect your top seeds, feeling like you can get your best teams uh, to the tournament, you know, the two teams that have proved that through a conference season, uh, you know, the top two teams going, you know, right to the Final Four in Indy uh, is maybe the only adjustment. But if you got to play home games, I like that. You know, you can earn a, a home game as a higher seed uh, that you get it on a Thursday. Then you got a couple days to regroup uh, before you have to play back to back on Monday, Tuesday in the final four of our league uh, championship. You know, I heard you in the post game uh, uh, show, as I mentioned, coach, and, and, and you sounded a little and, and, I, and I think rightfully so, to be completely honest with you. And, and, and I could have misunderstood what you were saying. But I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, anybody involved with watching your team play, and especially the way you've played here in the last month, month and a half of the season, would have expected a few more fannies in the seats last night at Truist Arena. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and you know, to be clear, you know, I, I said I was disappointed with the turnout and, and, and volume, right, and, and, and total numbers. Um, you know, I should probably clarify, you know, the people that were there, diehard Norse. Yeah, uh, yeah they you were said fantastic. that last night. You said you we were very really happy with those that showed game. up, right. Yeah, I, I thought made a difference, but you know we're we're, we're trying to build something here, right? And uh, you know I think we were third and 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 maybe honestly in actual bodies fourth last year of the four home games in league play uh, of uh, attendance. You know I think Youngstown State and granted they're having a historic year for them had 5,500 last night. Uh, you know we we announced 2,700 probably was really closer to 2,000, and so you know again just I, I think our guys have. I've earned that. And, and, and part of it, to be honest with you, Tom, is we, we've seen what this place can be, right, yes. on given nights. Uh, yep. and, and, you know, just go back to this year, even the UC game had over 8,000 here, at, at least two-thirds, probably three-quarters. Uh, you know, we're golden black Norse, and so that's, that's you know, well over five into 6,000 fans. And so, uh, you know, again, no, there's a lot going on, but, uh, you know, it's tournament time, and it really felt like our guys, you know, uh, deserved uh, – a great crowd. Again, the ones that were here were fantastic and really yeah. appreciate them. But, you know, we, we want to grow bigger crowds and, and, and a greater home court advantage. And, uh, you know, we think that matters and uh, creates excitement for everybody. And so, uh, yeah, we would love to have more people here, of course. All right, last thing I want to ask you about, and you're, you're, you're one of the coaches, and I love it, the, the fact that you don't shy away from uh, talking about March with your players, as you pointed out, even if it's in the summertime working out or if it's in early January, and you know, that you – March is March, and March is college basketball, the biggest in the stage and the brightest stars and the best teams and getting to the tournament and all that kind of thing. But you're also, you've forgotten more about it than I'll ever know, you're also dealing with 18 to 23, 24-year-old guys, okay? And so, you know, they turn on the ESPNs every night, and we're going to start watching teams cutting down the nets uh, to get to the NCAA tournaments this weekend. That's what every one of these kids dreams about. I don't care if you're playing at Northern Kentucky, you're playing at, at, at Xavier or UC or North Carolina, wherever it is. Um, do you have to, to, to sort of say to them before Monday's game, hey, fellas, listen, 
to play Tuesday, we got to play Monday. You know what I'm saying. Do you kind of have to rein them no in question. knowing they're two wins away from going to the tournament? No, no question. And, and I think this is probably always true. Uh, and, and I don't know what other coaches would tell you this year, Tom, specifically. Uh, and, and I do think that social media and some stuff impacts, uh, you know, this fight, <laughs> you know, for, for a coach. But, you know, for, for our group in particular, it, it, it's been, a, you know, a battle all year long to keep them in the moment. And not only from game to game, as you mentioned, hey, guys, we got to play Monday's game to get to Tuesday's game. But sometimes within the game, right, from moment to moment or, or, or timeout to timeout, uh, you know, can we stay focused on what we need to do? Hey, if the last segment went bad, uh, that's okay. we got a new segment going now. We can't do anything about the last one. Let's focus on this one. You, you'll hear our guys a lot in huddle saying, hey, let's win this segment. Let's win this segment because it it, it, it is a battle, man. It's, it's a battle with 18 to 22-year-olds now uh, to, to keep them focused in the moment because at the end of the day, you, you got to keep making the next play, whether it's a defensive stop or an offensive play uh, until the final buzzer. And so can you keep them focused in that moment? And, and uh, you know, it's so, so important in, in, in tournament time, especially because, uh, you know, you don't get a chance to play the next day. Well, Coach, we're rooting for you. We're your biggest fans around here, even if Casey McAllister, who is a, uh, an NKU alum, doesn't know you guys are playing last night. <laughs> I'm well, kidding. That I rib him. I rib him all the time. He knows I'm kidding him. Yeah. North's up, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We'll just we'll have to have him out for a practice next year. Get him in some gear. All right. So he's got Absolutely. no excuses. Yes. No oh, this is yeah. big time. This is no. big time. Darren, that would not be a pretty picture. Darren, I'll tell you what. Let tell Wes Akers. Do you know who Wes Akers is? Yes. Tell him that I will run the the handheld camera next year. Or not next year. What what what's your next home? Yeah, game? it's it's next year. No, next it's year. Next year. Yeah. Maybe next, next year. year. We're, yeah. we're in tournament. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. run. I'll run the. I'll run one of the bottom handheld cameras every single home you, game. You I'll don't have that. to make a deal, man. I can just get you some gear. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, don't have to, you don't have to work. You don't have to work for it. There you go. That's, uh, that's the kind of guy Casey is. Proudly. He's a proud alum. He's a hardworking guy. So he he wants to pay the price, just like you ask your players. You got to go pay the price. Coach, we, uh, we thank you for your time. We wish you the best of luck, Coach. We're rooting for you very much. Good Always luck on pleasant. Monday night. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. Coach Darren Horn. I mean, the guy is lights out. He's great. And uh, really excited for his team uh, playing on Monday night. Will you be dialed in Monday night, Casey McAllister? Is that going to be an ESPN regular game by then, Paul, since uh, we're getting in heavy tournament action? Let me check the schedule. I think it's ESPNU on uh, – I got it right here. Okay, but to get you, you don't have to pay for the plus, right? No, yeah. So that's just like it is, one or two channels after ESPN. They will be on ESPNU, the 930 games on ESPN2. But NKU, because they play at 7, will be on ESPNU. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they're playing at 7 o'clock. I failed to mention that. They, there was some talk. Would they play at 7? Would they play at 9? And, and that's one of those conference tournaments, and Jim Kelch was talking about this last night on their radio broadcast, that, um, and I, I love uh, this idea, uh, and I've loved it in the NFL, is reseeding after the quarterfinal round, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. to reward the teams, um, you know, who are the higher seeds and have earned it during the regular season. So, um, but all four top seeds won last night. But like I said, you had Youngstown State 15-5 and five in the league. 
you had uh, Northern Kentucky and somebody else was 14 and six. And so, you know, I mean, they're all right there. They're all basically anybody could win it. And we're hoping the Norse. Leaf was in earlier today. Leaf Wondering if we would talk about the Norse. We've been talking a lot about the Norse. And by the way, Jerome Hunter fan club, Uh he, he and I are good. Well, that's good. He and I are good. He and I are good. And I, I give him tremendous credit for uh, reaching out and basically saying we're all good. Okay. So we're all good. I'm glad. He says the highlight of the night last night was Rick Broering saying, that's big time <laughs> on, the, on the radio call. That's funny. All right. So we got nothing but love now between the two of us, and I'm, uh, I'm grateful for it. So thank you. All right, fellas. We got about 10 minutes left in the program. Anything uh, on your mind that we've not covered here today? One thing that we haven't really discussed, and I know we don't really talk NBA a lot. Oh, but, yeah, I know where you're going. But Kyrie Ooh. and Luca played really good Ooh. last night. Against 82. The he played. Together. Kyrie <laughs> played. He did, he did play. But they both played really well. That's what I was expecting. That's how I expect them to play from here on out. Now, I know they won't have games like that every time, but combined 82. That, yeah, Kyrie that. had 40, and their shooting percentages were insane for both of them. They both shot 22, I think. 20, 22 attempts or something like that. Yeah, but they uh-huh. were filling it up. Um Let me see. Yeah, Luca had 42 and Kyrie had 40. But they, they still had a number of guys that still chipped in. I mean, they scored 133. Yeah. You know? So that's what they're looking for. I tell you that, you know, and I don't we don't talk a lot about the NBA, but now with Kevin Durant in Phoenix, now with Kyrie in Dallas. Steph Curry, hopefully, he comes back because the way they were playing earlier in the year, right? Yeah. That Western Conference playoff has got a chance to just be unbelievable. Now, the Lakers look like they're not going to make it now. Not that they were anyway, but you hate seeing the playoffs come without LeBron. Whether you like LeBron or hate LeBron, he's one of the top five players of all time in the history of the league. And the playoffs are better when he's playing. Even if you're rooting against him, they're better when he's playing. And now he's got to you know, wait a number of weeks to get a second opinion on his foot. Looks like he's going to be out for a long, long time. Uh, and it's really a shame. But would you rather watch the Western Conference or the East? Because the Eastern Conference has some good teams and good players, too. Let me ask you one question, Paul. Because you're a big basketball guy. Okay? All right. Yeah. And, and, and I have always tried to follow this. I never realized until recent years. And I don't look at it a lot because I don't follow the NBA a lot. But I used to always love to, to, to try to do it while I'm sitting and watching a game. And I wasn't smart enough to be able to stay up with it. Uh, about when players are in the game and what's the score while they're in the game. as oh, opposed, You know what I'm saying? Plus minus. Right. So now they're keeping that all the time. And they have for a little while now. I've never been a big James Harden guy. I think he's an incredibly talented player. He can do a lot of things. But I'm looking at last night's game against um, Dallas. Yeah. Okay. He plays for Philadelphia. All right, you look at when Kyrie, Luca, when they're in the game, plus 20, plus 22, all this kind of thing, right? 
Harden scores 29, but he's minus 21 in the minus category. How much stock do I put in that number? Yeah, I don't know. I've always gone back and forth on that because plus minus in hockey is a big deal. But I don't, I guess it, when it's that pronounced, you know, if it's like uh, you were minus four on a night, you were minus five on a night. I, yeah, four or but, five, big deal. But when you get up to like the 20s, you know, it's like a correlation causation thing here. When you get up in, into a number that high, then I would put some stock into it. But the plus minus in basketball is not the first number that I look at. When I'm going into a post-game box score, unlike hockey, you're not going in there immediately and going, uh-oh, what was the plus minus? I look at it generally because if a player is consistently minus 10, minus 11, minus 10, game in and game out, and maybe that player shouldn't be on the court. But I'm not going to go in there every game and, and put a ton of stock into it. I guess I'll put it that way. Okay, that well, way. this year, just, just, just to, to, to put it, try to put it in perspective. Sure. Okay? Um, in, the, in the real plus minus, they call it, right? Okay, you've got Jason Tatum having an unbelievable year in Boston, right? Yep. He's number one. Um, the kid from Philadelphia, the center, is number two. Uh, Embiid. Uh, LeBron. Uh, Jokic. Luka. Lillard. Jaron Jackson of Memphis. Donovan Mitchell of Cleveland. Kyrie Irving. Anthony Davis. There's your top ten. So, you know, I mean, Harden ranks ahead this year anyway of guys like Steph Curry. And again, I don't know how much stock to put in it or not. All right. We have a cherry on top here. We have a cherry on top. Let's have it, boys. Presented by our good friends and great sponsor, United Dairy Farmers. So this comes courtesy of Rob Anderson, who is a fantastic SID. He's Creighton's SID. And he tweeted this out. Let's put into perspective Pistol Pete Maravich's NCAA scoring record. He scored 3,667 points in 83 games over three years. If you took the nation's top 83 single-game scoring performances in the last three years in college basketball, in 21, 22, and 23, you would combine for 222 less points than Pistol Pete. That is the highest scoring game from one player on any night over the last three years, the highest 83 single-game scoring performances wouldn't even come close. You would come 222 points That's short. That's unbelievable. That's really unbelievable. That's un I mean, it really is. Uh, and that picture wasn't, wasn't you know, the, the, the Pete Maravich look. That clearly was a picture of Pete Maravich at LSU. But his look was the long... He kind of looked like that character from Scooby-Doo, Shaggy. You know, he had the curly, long hair, kind of a Beatles cut to it where it kind of hung down his face a little bit, the floppy socks. I saw him play in person, I, it, it, and it was just, it, the guy was, with the ball was insane. Insane with the ball, what he could do with it. And obviously he scored a lot. Uh, all right, uh, lock of the night or lock of the weekend before we get to boxed lunch. Casey, have you thought about it? Or are you still, uh, you know, sort of excited that, that Northern Kentucky is actually playing in the Horizon League tournament? Uh, I'm going to attempt again on NBA. Oh, my um, God. You guys are like 3-11. and 11. 
Yeah, it's been really rough. Paul lost again last night. Bets the under. Continues to bet the under on Mick Cronin's Bruins. It's true. All right, go ahead. Uh, I'm going with the Phoenix Suns. The cover. And who are they playing and what's the spread? They are playing the Chicago Bulls. And I'm going to double check the spread here real quick. I think it's minus six. It is. No, it is. It has gone down to minus three and a half. I like that. Gone down from six to three and a half in how long a time frame? When's the last time you looked at it? Like this morning? Yeah, this morning. Did they announce Durant's not playing? <laughs> I'd still like it anyways, because the Bulls also stink. Okay. Here we go. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, Paul, you want to do a game tonight? I mean, you can pick one over the weekend. Yeah, so I'll give you the three that I had from the weekend from, from my show. And I kind of project the lines for the weekend since they're not out yet. But tonight, I took Miami plus eight. The Red Hawks plus eight. On the road. Against Buffalo. They got to win. They know that. They've been playing well. Take plus eight. Okay. I don't know. Give, give the hometown team some love. Tonight's slate's terrible, so might as well. Um, uh, I... Uh, I don't know if I love this. I don't know if I love this, but uh, I'm going to do it because it's pretty much a must-win game for them. I'm going to take Villanova plus five and a half, but I don't love it. Um, I think UConn could run them out of the gym, um, but I, I'm going to take Villanova plus five and a half. And then Sunday, Reed, don't let me down. Hoosh? The Hoosiers, minus three, yeah. minus three and a half against Michigan. We love the Hoosiers. So that's the weekend. All but right. the, the Saturday and Sunday, like, we don't have the lines yet. I'm just kind of guessing what they'll be. Okay. So we'll see. It, last time I checked, didn't the Hoosiers just get beat on their home floor in Bloomington by, like, 30 the other night by Iowa? They did. That'll happen, Tom. That happens to the best programs. You don't hang banners on the wall unless you, unless you take a thumping at home. It's true. Got to earn it. We're, we're, we're looking towards the, the neutral sites. We don't like playing at Assembly Hall. You know, I think that's going to be – it's funny you say that because I've been saying it to Paul all year long. You know, I get tired of opening. It's not every game. There are outliers here and there. But I get so tired of looking at every box score in college basketball games where the home team shooting 15, 20 free throws, more yeah. free throws than the yeah. other team. I'm just tired of looking at it. Go play on the – go play on a neutral floor and let's see what happens. I agree. I agree. Whole but whole Indiana getting beat in Bloomington by 22 is a joke. I mean, Iowa hit like – 15, 16 threes. They do that from time to time. I thought of you last night, Tom, because of that very thing you just said, and I'm going to dig up to make sure that I'm not uh, inaccurate. But there was a stat that was read last night for that Purdue-Wisconsin uh, game, which was at Madison. was at Madison. It was at Wisconsin. Problem is, is just digging up this. I'm gonna find the box score and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little small. We're gonna do a quick game of you guess the free throws by each team. Okay, but, but let I, me, I, you're gonna have to give me a second to get there. Me having not looked at it though, now Purdue again would be the kind of team for me that I would just predict would be an outlier on some of those numbers because exactly. they have the best big man in the yep. country who goes to the line a lot. Yep, they are a rugged, physical. Yeah. you know. Pound the glass kind they of a team. In, they get it into the paint every, every right. possession. Right. So, How you many know, free throws do you think Wisconsin shot last night? Well, the and, final score was what, 63-61? And keep in mind, when they, brought the, when they brought up the amount of free throws that Wisconsin shot, it was largely because Purdue at that time, which we can get into this debate either on Box Lunch or another time, 
of they were fouling with like 15 seconds left when they were up by three, which it was I ten, guess it was 10 seconds left and they fouled the okay. guy that hit a three last year against them. So Whatever. I think there was they, they fouled in my mind way too early, but nonetheless, okay, they fouled twice. So I think Purdue or excuse me, Wisconsin had shot three or four free throws at the end of that game. But when the game ended, how many free throws do you think All they right, shot? Uh, 10, 12, they 14. Sh- they shot five as opposed to Purdue's 18. And they were at home. Five. So it went against your it, I, Like theory. I said, there are there occasional outlier. outliers. Yeah. There are, there's no doubt about it. You know what I was just thinking about when you guys brought up that pistol Pete Maravich stat, which blew my mind. That's like when you hear stats about like Barry Bonds and stuff like that. Just blew my mind. Yeah. UK is undoubtedly the toast of the SEC, right? LSU has had the two most what famous. What did you just say? UK, Kentucky's undoubtedly the toast of the SEC in basketball. You mean historically? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. LSU has had probably the two most famous college basketball players to come out of the SEC. You're right. Pistol Pete and Shaq. Yep. Which yeah. is, it's just yep. interesting. Yep, you're right. They don't have many great players down there, but when they find ben them, when, when they find them, they find them. Ben Simmons, is he, still, is he still playing? <laughs> yeah. Or is he playing? Kind of. Kind of. He does, doesn't shoot a whole lot. He dribbles. Yeah, he's he, out on the floor. There's a lot of dribbling. But he's playing, though. He does play. Okay. All right. Good enough. He is playing, though. All right, boys. Well, time for box lunch. Uh, Casey, Paul, Brandon, everybody, thank you very much for all the help. Vach will be with us on Monday to talk a lot more about the draft. I'm sure he'll have a lot of insight on the tight end thing because the Bengals are meeting with uh, all the tight ends yesterday and again today, and then they take the field tomorrow uh, for all the stuff that they do at the combine. So, gentlemen, great weekend to you. Here we go. Sorry about your Warriors last night. Me too. It's tough. They were up 22-17 and then went into a little funk on offense in the third quarter and uh, tied it late, two minutes to go. And the other team made their free throws, man. I mean, they didn't miss. It's a good team. UD's a great arena, too. It's the best. I love it. The best. It's the best. Love that place. Mm -hmm. All right, boys. See you, Tom. All right.